This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. We're back for a second shortcut this week because on January 14, this Sunday, an Australian icon will become the Queen of Denmark. We're talking, of course, about Mary Donaldson, the Tasmanian whose chance encounter with Prince Frederick during the Sydney Olympics led to her joining one of the most popular royal families in the world. In this bonus squiz shortcut, we're going to take you through who Mary is and we'll give you the background on the Danish royal family. Squiz Shortcuts is your backstory to the big news stories. I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Claire Kimball. There are three main dates that we're going to be focusing on in this episode, Claire, and the first is the 5th of February, 1972. Yep, and that is, of course, the day that Mary Elizabeth Donaldson was born. She got that name when she was born in Hobart as the youngest of four children. Uh, Mary Donaldson is such a down-to-earth name. It comes <laughs> from her Scottish parents. Her mother, Etta, short for Henrietta, she was an executive assistant to the vice-chancellor at the University of Tasmania, and her father, John, was a mathematics professor. So Mary went through primary and secondary school in Tasmania. She grew up with lots of animals and riding horses. And after school, she went to the University of Tasmania from 1990 to 1994. And Claire, this is sounding all fairly typical so far. After uni, she did courses in advertising and marketing. Yeah, and it was with those qualifications that she moved to Melbourne and worked in advertising. But after a few short years of setting herself up in that career, tragedy struck the Donaldson family. Her mother died unexpectedly. That was due to complications from heart surgery. Her mother was just 55 at the time and Mary was in her mid-20s. So that was a real blow to the family. And Mary has since talked about what a difficult time that was for her personally. After her mother's death, she spent about a year of her late 20s travelling and working through Europe. That wasn't where she met Frederick in that European holiday (laughs) mode, her husband-to-be. By early 2000, she'd returned to Australia and she started working in inner Sydney. She was a sales director at the real estate company Bell Property. And being in Sydney in the year 2000 meant the Sydney Olympics. It was a pretty exciting time. I remember it very well. Are you showing your age there, Claire? (laughs) Quite probably, yeah. (laughs) And the Olympics brought lots of people from around the world into town, including European royalty. And Claire, I am sensing a little plot point coming up. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, And that's because one man who was in town was the Crown Prince of Denmark, Mm. the eldest child of the current Queen of Denmark, a man named Frederick. Uh, He was in town to support Denmark's sailing team. And this does bring us to our second major date of this episode. It is September 16, 2000, which is, of course, the night that Prince Frederick was bar hopping around Sydney with a bunch of other European royals. Yep, and invited along to that was the housemate of one of the Australian organisers of that bar crawl. That was Mary. And Mary later said that Prince Frederick had introduced himself simply as Fred. And it was about half an hour before someone had actually told her that she was hanging out with a bunch of young royals. 
But as the story goes, Mary and Frederick hit it off that night. And Mary has said that once they started talking, they never really stopped. Nah. Isn't that lovely? Mm. <laughs> and Frederick, though, did go back to Denmark after the Olympics were over, but he was back a couple of weeks later. Uh, he made a handful of other trips to Australia during the year. Surprisingly, all of that went pretty much under the radar. Mm. Their relationship really stayed a secret from both the Danish press and the Australian press for an entire year. That was before they were finally outed by a Danish publication in 2001. And then in 2002, Mary moves to Denmark before the couple gets married in 2004. And that marriage meant that she did renounce her Australian citizenship for Danish citizenship. Not that I think anybody here in Australia really minds, Claire. Yeah, I still carry a bit of a grudge about that, but that's okay. She had to do what she had to do. She also had to learn the Danish language, which is no Mm. mean feat. So Mm. uh, all of that has made her immensely popular in Denmark. She is by all accounts a beloved figure there, which is just as well because she's about to be their queen. <laughs> that is coming up next. So, Claire, our third significant date of this episode is this coming Sunday, January 14. Yep, that is the day that Frederick will become the King of Denmark. Mary Donaldson, formerly of Tasmania, she will become the Queen, which is happening because Frederick's mother, uh, her name is Queen Margrethe, uh, she announced on New Year's Day that she's going to abdicate, which is a fancy way of saying that she's giving up the throne. So let's take this chance to get to know the Danish royal family a bit better. And Claire, one thing to note is that the Danish royals have a reputation as being the most popular monarchy in the world. Yeah, so there's a couple of things about that. Denmark doesn't have a huge tabloid media like they do in the UK. So there's a lot said about that being behind a different relationship that the people have with the royals, even in this modern day and age. Uh, The second thing is that they point to their incredible queen, For the past 52 years, Queen Margrethe has been an incredibly steady hand. She was the first woman to lead Denmark in centuries and after post-World War II, there was a rule change that allowed women to ascend to the throne and that's seen her there for a very long time. Now, Margrethe is quite a character. For one, she's been called the ashtray queen because of her lifelong habit of chain smoking. But she has also been called one of the world's grumpiest royals after the times that she has told the Danish people off. (laughs) Yeah, so you wonder why they're so popular when she can be quite grumpy (laughs) by all accounts. I think it is just this lower key and straight talking kind of relationship that she has with the people. Mm. For example, there was quite a stern televised speech that she gave during COVID. She really scolded Danes for breaking lockdown rules. Um, The story of her relationship with her husband is also worth telling. Yes, so Margrethe's husband was Henrik and he was also a commoner as the parlance goes. She met him when she was 25 and a student at the London School of Economics. They married before she was queen, but when Margrethe did ascend to the throne, Henrik did not 
become king. No, so he maintained the title of prince consort. He really did want to become king consort, but that never happened and he was really unhappy about that. This next bit requires a bit of explaining, but Queen Margrethe for the past 20 years has been really into the arts. She's been a very, very visible person in the arts scene in Denmark and she had commissioned the building of a glass sarcophagus that her and her husband would be entombed in when they died a very arty bit of, I guess, coffin kind of work. I don't know what you would call it. (laughs) Um, But towards the end of his life, Henrik became so annoyed that she wouldn't make him king that he refused to be entombed in it. Right. So while Margrethe is still alive, when Henrik died in 2018, he was actually cremated. So that sounds pretty dramatic, if you ask me. And Claire, it is not the only drama in the Danish royal family. No, so Margrethe and Henrik had two children, one of whom is Prince Frederick. The other is his younger brother, Prince Wacom. And last year, Margrethe stripped Wacom's children of their royal titles. She later said that the change was a necessary future-proofing of the monarchy, but it caught Wacom off guard. Yeah, so he says that he only had five days' notice about that change and that his children were being mistreated. Um, Suffice it to say, he's very unhappy about that change. But Margrethe says that it will streamline the royal family and make it better for them in the future. That doesn't affect Frederick and Mary's four kids. They are Prince Christian, who is 18, Princess Isabella, who's 16, and then there are twins, Prince Vincent and Princess Josephine, who turned 13 this week. Mm. But while we're on domestic matters, we probably should mentioned the rumours that were swirling around Frederick, Mary's husband, at the end of last year. Yeah, so that was quite a thing at the end of last year. Um, It was a Spanish magazine that published photos of Prince Frederick walking on the street with a Mexican socialite. Um, That woman has absolutely denied any sort of romantic relationship with Frederick and the Danish royal family even commented on it to say that they're not going to comment on rumours and insinuations. And Claire, that is pretty much it for this episode. Although the final thing we'll say is that January 14, the day that Mary becomes queen, is not going to be anywhere near as grand as King Charles' coronation last year. No. So if you really enjoyed that spectacle of the British royal family, just dial down your expectations. Um, On Sunday, it's described as a changeover. And while there's going to be a ceremony and some carriage rides and a special mass and a part where they come out onto a balcony, Um, the day of the abdication and I guess a coronation is going to be a really low-key affair. That is all happening overnight on our time on Sunday. So the formal public bit is around 1am Monday morning our time. So it's not a friendly time zone, but I'm sure there's going to be repeats and repeats on it on TV all throughout the next day. Now on to our recommendations. Claire, last year you recommended a piece from the Financial Times on Mary. She gave them an expansive interview and the pictures are incredible. So I've dusted that one off and I will have a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, we had that in Friday Lights last year. It's a really good one to get across. It's her in her own voice, so a good one to look at. Um, I've scoured the internet for a rundown about what's happening on Sunday. And of all places, there was a really good article with the details on the New Idea website. So I've got that for you. We will have a link to New Idea in the show notes. And we will, of course, bring you any new developments on this Squiz Today podcast. 
And that's it for us today. If you like what you heard, please tell people about the podcast. And if you have any requests, you can send them through to hello at thesquiz.com.au. Thank you for listening. Until next time. It's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.